Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mark Noble grew up with a football field for a back garden. Or at least he did once his dad had a secret gate installed behind the house in C.S. Lewis style so that Mark could nick out, take a ball and sneak onto the grounds of a school playing pitch. It wasn't too long before he was stepping out at Upton Park. Or should that be the bowling ground? Uh, And which and why? Either way, in part two of this big interview, Mark talks about that famous old ground and the final game there against Manchester United under the lights and... Scripted by the good Lord above, I think. Mark has kept a photograph from that night, a picture of the West Ham fans looking on as he shields the ball to help see out the game. He remains connected to that support, his community. And one of the things I like best about the entire Big Interview series is Mark talking eloquently about the social housing projects being undertaken by the Legacy Foundation, which he started alongside two other London boys who've done good, Bobby Zamora and Rio Ferdinand. I found that part inspirational, and I'm not ashamed to say so. Mark is an ultra-good footballer, somebody who knows what the ball is for, represents the values that make you and I love football, and he's a good man too. This, in my view, has been a great big interview. You'll see. Enjoy. And Mark, keep going. And finally, we're recording another big interview live on Thursday, March 9th at the Concert Hall in Glasgow with very special guest Alex McLeish. Alex will reflect on his decorated playing and management career at Aberdeen, how his football manager-obsessed son alerted him to the talents of a teenage Leo Messi before the world knew of that man's genius, and how he'd later inquire about bringing Messi to Rangers on loan only to be informed by Frank Reichard's assistant to try and secure a deal for some Andres Iniesta kid instead. Sir Alex Ferguson, Scooby's first manager at Aberdeen, will pop up in stories and there'll be an audience Q&A. To buy tickets, go to iWrite.com. That's A-Y-E-W-R-I-T-E.com and search for Graham Hunter. The link is also on a pinned tweet at GH Podcast on Twitter. See you there. It's going to be good. We got deluged with questions for you, and um, I'm pleased that we've covered Philip Beatty's questions about penalties, and I'm going to let you off your penalty technique, because 
keepers are listening. Yeah, of course they are. But Chris Burns in Manchester touched on this theme, and I know that Neil's really keen on talking about captaincy too. Chris says leadership is something that I think is drizzling out of society and out of football as well. And he says about you, how would you describe your leadership style? And what does a leader on the pitch need to have, especially in this time when there might be three or four languages in the same starting 11? Leadership. For one, football is there's only one language, and that is football. Because everyone knows if you ain't working hard enough or, um, or if you ain't, don't quite fancy it on the day. Uh, and a leadership for me, which is oh, I've always done all my career, was, was training and playing to my absolute maximum. Like I'd never, I'd never really come in and think, oh, I don't fancy it today. Or if I have felt like that, I've got a little knock, I think, I'll quickly tell myself, right, I'm going to have a go today. Even if I just run about and make a tackle and um, try and get the lads going. Because there's a lot of times you come in training and you think, this ain't, this ain't, this ain't up to scratch today. Like the training. Intensity. As in the intensity, yeah. It ain't, a few of the lads might have been out or um, might be a bit tired from, we've had an hard game. Um, so you clatter into someone. <laughs> um, normally I pick on someone really like who I know is going to have a go back. Um, so for instance, I'll have a go at Ginge or I'll start an argument with, with Andy. Um, Ginge to people like me with Mr. Tompkins? Uh, no, Ginger's in James Collins. James Collins? Big ginger beard. Big okay. scary fella. Ginger, well, should, well, so I shouldn't, if I see him, I shouldn't call him Ginge. No, he'd be happy with that. I think his right. wife calls him Ginge. Okay. <laughs> um, right. Sometimes I forget his fucking first name, to be honest. <laughs> I've called him Ginge for 15 years. He maybe was christened that. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah, and uh, sometimes it's, you, you have to be clever with it. So I know training ain't quite up to it, and... Um, I'll have a go at Ginge and he'll think, who the fuck are you, what were you picking? Not picking on him because I can't, he's six foot fucking five, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, and then he'd shout, he'd have a go back at me and the other lads would look and think, fucking hell, like, oh, it's serious, do you it's know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, it's... That's a contagious feeling then, if... if, if exactly, okay. it's 100% because I, I've, I've, I've played in, I've been with players before and I've seen them charge around and train and I think, God, yeah, I fancy a bit of that, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just the way it is and I've always... I've always tried to lead by example, as in play at 100%, give everything. And look, I don't care what anyone says, no one's going to be a 10 out of 10 every game. You're yeah. going to have bad games yeah. through the season. Um, so if you, but if you work hard, especially West Ham fans, they'll, they'll, they'll let you off, do you know what I mean? Because if you give 100%, um, and whenever we sign players here, yeah, I just say, listen, just give everything. Mm. If you give everything, you'll be fine. I mean, stuff will come to you. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, they'll fucking find you out quick, let me tell you. Do you talk to the players? Do you, I mean, does it depend on each manager or how you're feeling about your own confidence? But as your captain, pre a match, on the pitch, half time, do you think about what you say? Do you, do you try to say less? Because uh, sometimes players yeah, aren't taking yeah, it yeah, in. Exactly. Uh, you sort of figure out after uh, when you play with the boys, you know, there's some, there's some characters that. You couldn't shout at them. You couldn't have a go at them at half-time because they'd go into a shell. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or there's some that... You, you realise that some people listen to this. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen that, but won't understand that because they, they think they're dealing... Because they're 
on the television are highly paid, mm. but they're robots. But in actual fact, they're human beings. You've got feelings. Everyone's got yeah. fucking feelings. And sometimes you, you can't, well, especially me, I can't help showing them. And if I don't think someone's pulling their weight during the game, then I'll tell them during the game or I'll tell them at half-time. Or, but you, you, sometimes you have to be clever because some, some players don't respond well to be shattered at. So what you do is you wait until the manager to say, you go over, say, come on, get you, you know what I mean? We need you today. But one on one. Yeah, one on one. Yeah, we need you today. You're you're important for us, and 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 then I'm hoping they think, yeah, I'm mm. like I need this. Like a little bit during this week, to be fair, with obviously with the Dimitri situation, and um, um, you, you, I tend I've said a little bit to uh, um, Manu Lanzini and players like that. Said so during the week, just little reminders. You need to step up this week because we ain't gonna have our best player on the pitch. You know what I mean? So you need to, um, and I'm I'm certainly not taking credit for the weekend, but I see a different player in Manu the weekend for sure. The uh, the manager told us that he specifically said to Big Andy, as the ball's coming over, a little back flip, top corner, overhead <laughs> kick as well. So you know you, you're what? not talking your way out of that. Three. One. I was as fucking surprised as you <laughs> was. Let me tell you, it was kind of good. Um, then I'm gonna finish with. Um, Another part of Chris's question, there's, there's only 20 club captains in the Premier League. Who of the other 19 do you look up to and respect most and why? Wayne Rooney for sure. Mm. Because sometimes I, I, I wind myself so much up over things like when uh, he gets publicly slated by the press and... Um, and people that could never ever do in a million years what he's done. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking reporters and uh, that that say I oh, he should be sub or he he's he's gone. His legs have gone. How they've got a right? I mean, everyone's got an opinion, of course. But to play at the level he's played at and done what he's done, the goals he scored for Manchester United and what he's been involved with is is just phenomenal. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, it really is and. Um, to do it at that level and the pressure that he's played under for the last I remember it 12, 15 years I mean he broke through when he was about 12 didn't he um, <laughs> it's just it's just incredible and um, he, he's at the he's the captain of the one of the biggest clubs in the whole world um, so the pressure he must be under and um, I just I, I, I see players like that and I just think in this Day and age, if if people can't respect and uh, appreciate what he's done for the English game, then uh, as a as a nation, we're we're really struggling. Don't disagree at all. It's nice to it's better to appreciate talent and, and appreciate achievements than we just seem to love failure. Mm. Do you know if a player don't play well or he's not really on form? No player's ever going to be on form for the for their whole career. You go confidence in football is a massive thing, mm. um, even for the most talented footballers. Even for the most talented, I mean, look at as you you say you probably know him really well, Fernando Torres at Liverpool. He was mm. unplayable, unstoppable. Yeah. We played against him, and it was like if we get away from him and we're three 0 we've had it off. He probably scored an hat trick at the time. I think he's got a couple past us. He goes to Chelsea, and he's a different player, mm-hmm. and he hasn't drove down from Liverpool. And someone's injected him with something in the car and all of a sudden he's... Do you know what I mean? It's just pure confidence. And mm. I've always thought, Mark, that it was a... It, it was, I'm not, not trying to draw you into it. It's my perspective. But tournaments in England particularly um, 
I think that thing you've identified about culturally a nation quite enjoying, if not failure, being able to blame or pull down or criticise rather than saying, here's what we do, this is what it'll take to win, uniting, appreciating, having a different mentality. That's contagious too. And I, I think it's well, part well, I, of the I, mix. Can, I, I don't know because I've never been into a, a senior squad, but f- what you're saying about when you travel with a Spanish squad and you, you went yep. through the experience with them. If you had journalists that wasn't always looking for a story mm-hmm. or f- to stitch you up, then the, the, the players would be like, yeah, yeah. travel with us. No, they'd, they'd, they'd trust you. you know what I mean? If you ain't going to stitch them up, you, and they'd open your eyes and, uh, to new things and how, how getting to know people instead of, as you say, robots on TV. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, because a, a lot of players do really care. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they don't want to lose. No. You see the young lads at the Euros this year. I mean, obviously we all was disappointed, but I can, t- I can tell you, because I know a few of them, they don't want to lose, they don't want to go out, but for some reason it wasn't right. I think it, it, that, these thin right. margins, confidence, creativity, taking a risk, you shy out, one shies away from taking a risk in a tackle, breaking away a dribble, a shot the mentality of holding out at 1-0 rather than losing 2-1. These are things where you put your reputation in the line subconsciously. You're, you, you, you need to risk to achieve. And I just think you look at... I know it's a totally different culture and everything, but you look at um, like the Brazilian players that turn up for a game. Do you know what I mean? They're so relaxed, having a sing-song... Mm. Some one of them's playing the drums, and Definitely. they go onto the pitch, and they take that onto the pitch of them because they just play. Look, listen. Obviously, they've they've been so successful over the last so many years, and it's great to watch Brazilian teams. But all that they're players, and they just seem free. By and large, I mean? these idiots, Brazilians, they seem to think football's for having fun. Yeah, wouldn't that it's be fun? Good? <laughs> it's fun for them. It seems to work. It see, you watch them, and you, you like you've you watch Ronaldinho, who's one of the greatest players ever. You obviously probably know Ronaldinho, but you watch him play, and he just seemed like he was having a laugh. Do you know what I mean? And they have the the, the elite ones have an ability. Like for example, the one I'd pick on is Danny Alves. When he was say caught too high at the pitch, and the ball be put over perhaps, and he'd be the last man arriving back in the criminal scene where the goal's going in, and he's just. Get, and you would ask him and you would say, no, no, no. He said, um, when, I, when I started out, I said, I knew my ability, I knew I was an athlete. He said, I knew what football was for. He said, I enjoy taking risks, I enjoy being creative. I'm never, ever going to change. He said, 30 trophies later, I think I made the right choice. He isn't worried about risk. He isn't worried about that game where it goes mm-hmm. wrong or the criticism from the media because he knows that everything he's doing will eventually add up to a long career, a huge amount of trophies, respect from his fellow players, and I think his attitude is archetypical Phenomenal of the elite Brazilians. Phenomenal Unbelievable. Player. Still being named in the European Team of the Year for Juventus at whatever age as well, and the, the gap in the Barcelona team without I him. I think we played him in pre-season Juventus, didn't we? And I think at one point, I'm pretty sure he played 3-1-2s round me with his head. I don't know how he'd done it, <laughs> but I thought, yeah, I'm going to press hard here, get the crowd going, and it was like, fucking pinball and I thought oh this might be the last time I do that <laughs> a seal well we, we over the years we've, we've turned watching us on it into say a book or podcasts you would watch him do that across the whole pitch with Messi mm. and they would go into a little strictly come football yeah, yeah. they would go into their little choreographed waltz up and down a pitch and it would look brilliant and they're having fun 
suddenly they'd be up the other end and oh there they've scored as well yeah, yeah. it ain't too bad little change of tack um, if you're up for it I'm really quite interested in Canning Town you grew up there how would you describe it what's it like and can I ask us a, can I want to go out on a limb go on ask what you want what, what does the Thames mean to you what does the river mean to you uh, I say that because well I've, I, I used to swim adore in it, it. yeah I used to swim in it not quite probably where you adore it but <laughs> you probably adore it where the London Eye is and stuff but no man no travelling up and down it hearing the stories yeah. looking at the old docks imagining the freight that river's carried how it kept the country alive during the war like, the Thames is a character in my life mm. we had I, I, we, moved, we lived in a house in uh, a place called Jenkins Road and behind us was a uh, like a, I think it was a university or something like a, a field. Mm. So what my dad done was he got a geezer around from work, and our back garden we had a fence, and then behind our fence was like the you know, the strong iron railings with the spikes on top, so yeah, you couldn't get yeah, over there. Yeah. So obviously at first I used to jump, get on top of our shed, do you know what I mean, or put a lump of wood and jump over and uh, constantly hurt ourselves. So he had the fella come round and the fella cut a a little gate at the bottom of our fence, put a couple of hinges on it, and then undone the screws in the metal fence so we could get through our gate, slide <laughs> the gates for it and get through and play footy. Private gate in yeah. the fence. So I used to be out there till like my mum used to shout, Mark! And it was dark at the time, do you know what I mean? So you didn't answer back, so you didn't want to go in. And we used to play out there for hours, hours and hours and hours. And um, when they used to cut the grass, we used to make little five-side pitches out of the dead grass, you know, with the goals. And Brilliant. Pucker it was. There was probably six, seven boys my age in that in that road, and you can imagine it was carnage. Do you know what I mean? There was balls going through windows, and in the obviously in the summer, me and my me and one one of my good mates, we we used to uh, we we got this. I don't know where we got this, but I think we probably stole it. But it was a a, a double. Do you know, we both sit on it and you ride at the same time. So we used to we used to ride to the Thames, cut the fishing rods over our shoulders. Oh, yeah. a pair of swimming shorts and go fishing jump in the river you know what I mean you I look just back just nick into the river and swim yeah jump off the bridges it, it moves a little I jump off it. the bridges yeah it was, beauty yeah it was I mean at that, at that time it was like it's the thing to do you know what I mean just, but did you I mean this might sound a bit stupid it might sound like your mum or your daddy but did you wait until the tide was a bit lower or did you yeah, get in there to be honest at the end where we used to do it right at the bottom near like where Beckton was and that um it wasn't. It wasn't like. It wasn't fast. I mean, you could jump in, and um, we used to we used to imagine that like, going somehow get a little uh, like rubber dinghy, you know, like the little boats, um, pump it up, blow it up, and just sit on the tents of one of them. <laughs> but listen, good. I'm the weirdo in this conversation. That sounds like absolute heaven. Yeah, no, it was I right. Mean, I don't even got ever sit there. Side. It was me and you. I'd be going like. Do you know what Henry Ape did this once? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, just, just what it means to me. You know what I mean? Just flip, flip the rod over the side. Did you ever catch anything? Do you know what? Once we, I was, we caught, we had some, something really big. I love fishing anyway. I yeah, fish me too. Lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had something really big, but my mate's brother was coming with a net. We only had a rod and whatever. And uh, the tide was out a bit, so the, the ledge was really high. So we yeah. couldn't just whip it up. It was too, yeah. The rod was bent over. And we had it on for about 25 minutes and we're ringing uh, my mate's brother, hurry up, get the car here, we've got something. After 20 minutes, it snapped off. We never <sighs> see it. It was gutted. 
But, but so, what do you imagine it was? I think I must have been a, or, uh, must have been a, yeah, or a carp or we didn't have like a wire tray, so a pipe would have probably just snapped its bits. Yeah, it must right. have been a carp or something. I don't know. I ain't got a clue, but um, it was yeah, it was great. Never see the fish, but it's, it felt big. <laughs> the Thames is something that I think is really special. And if you're talking about a sense of uh, community like that, you know, it, it strikes me as it helps me understand what West Ham has, has meant to you. You know, that if you grow up in the community, everybody probably plays together, shares together, follows the club together, and now you're the captain. Mm. I can understand what your dad's saying to you when he phones you, mm. which takes you to how clear are your memories of the last game at? No, let, let me ask, what, what's this bullying ground? So I grew up, like, I'm old now. Mm. So I remember falling in love with the old strip when Harry was playing, Clyde Best was playing. I thought he was brilliant. Mm. And then um, it was Upton Park then. It's only the last couple of seasons, it's always, what's this bullying ground? I don't know. I, used to, quit, I used to quit Upton Park, that's the truth. And then the same thing, I sort of, sort of started calling it the bowling. I think it was just a, the the history of what it was, and we're leaving. Yeah. So that I think we sort of tried to bring that back, the history and all that. Um, my kids, uh, my two kids now, they they call it the bowling. They say, oh, there's it's the last bowling. three four years. It's yeah, it's I crazy. thought I've been an idiot all the years. The cool people have always been calling it the bowling ground, but nah, you nah. grew up. It's Upton Park. Upton Park, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's Upton Park. And then, uh, as you say, the last three or four years, we sort of. Was everyone knew we was moving, so it was like let's sort of bring a bit of history back, and it's, it's the bowling. And I mean, last year for me, the bowling was uh, obviously the last game against United. I had my testimonial there, which was a sellout, um, just phenomenal last year. There. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I do remember Fergie. When, I don't know if this was when you were already a junior player or just a fan, but I remember Alex Ferguson is somebody whose career has shaped mine. I grew up in Aberdeen. He came to our club. Yeah watching him 
his attitude and his aggression shaped my attitude to what was possible. Therefore, I'm not yet a Manchester United fan at all, but I followed him and I remember him growling about West Ham midweek under the lights. Yeah, you didn't want to go there. The time when West Ham fought like tigers against United to make sure that they, well, that did make sure that they didn't win the title. Yeah. Because they couldn't get the win and Blackburn win the title and whatever. Could there have been a better rival for the last game than Manchester United? It was, it was, it was mad how it turned out. Honestly, it was midweek game um, against United. I think we we didn't play them because they was in the cup or vice versa. And then we played them a couple of weeks before in the FA in one of the cups and we lost. Um, and do you know one of them games where we actually really believed we was going to win? And Man United played really well that night. It's the, that they they was really good on the in the cup game. And that, and I said in my speech on the pitch after the the, the last game, I said it was. It was written in the stars that night. It yeah. honestly was. Um, we turned up. Obviously, the Manchester United's coach got smashed up, and we was we was an hour to get from the hotel in Canary Wharf to where we was, to the ground. Um, and an hour because of the, 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 the clamour all yeah, around. It was it. Like the whole of the whole of uh, Barking Road was blocked, and to get down to the ground was mad. Was watching the lads were buzzing on the coach because there's footballs being booted about and. Um, people were hitting balls and they was hitting balls people on the head because they weren't looking and it was brilliant um, <laughs> throwing beer everywhere and it, it was just like a really amazing atmosphere and sitting in the change room and then obviously the game got delayed I mean we was ready to go out and walk both of which the coach journey slow and the delay in the game if there's a player in there on that day I mean that doesn't fancy it but let's say you get overtaken by the nerves and you're like oh fuck yeah, oh, yeah. Ooh, and, you, it, and to be fair you're ready so you're ready to go out and warm up and then you, you can't, it's delayed, so you have to sit back down and, um, yeah, and then when that, when, when Reedy scored that header, I just, it's one of the greatest feelings I've ever had, honestly. You're 2-1 down, Marshall's got a couple, mm. having been in, you, you're in the lead. Yeah. I think, um, Mikhail gets there. Mikhail scores the a two header. 2-2. Two. Yep. And then, um, what have you got? What's, what's, can you remember the moment? I remember, it, I, remember I, I remember I was running towards the box just to get on the edge of the box, really, because the cross come in. I think Dimmy crossed it. I was standing on the edge. Obviously, really won the header. I remember De Gea, I'm looking at him thinking, oh, you're going to save it, and he gets a touch, but it goes in. And I just just run, just run and celebrated on my own, just like my kids and the Carly and the family and dad and everyone. Did you see them? Yeah, you could see them. So I had the box up in the corner and... Um, it just went absolutely mental. The place just erupted. The loudest noise I think I've ever heard. Um, yeah, and I've got a photo indoors of um, it was the last minute or something, and I'm I'm in the bottom corner, and you can see like the claret and blue stripe because everyone had claret and blue t-shirts on the whole game, and I'm shielding the ball from Wayne Rooney in the corner to just waste time. Um, it's a, it's a unbelievable photo that you can see the whole of the Bobby Moore standing claret and blue and um, I'm shielding the ball like towards the end of the game it's incredible there's um, we did a I don't know if you ever watched Frank McIverney play could play a little bit yeah 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 of course um, before last season maybe that was West Ham's best season since yeah. I don't know 60s um, it, it, the podcast we did with him Russell Brand had listened to and enjoyed. Mm. So he'd heard me ranting on about Alan Devonshire, how much of a player I thought he was. I thought he was yeah. fabulous. Sent a little selfie of, of the three of them and I can't remember who else as well. 
um, just grinning at the camera. And it made me think that night was like, there was a lot of distractions that night because you're a real celebrity club. Mm. You know, there's famous people yeah, there. Yeah, it was everywhere. Yeah. Backstage, it must have, they must have been everywhere. Kind of, yeah. I don't know if that adds to the distractions or the pressure or if it makes the celebrations at the end sweeter still when you see these mm. celebrity fans. Does it matter having that around? Do you know what? It was the, the whole season was mental. I mean, I was getting 25 tickets a game just because people wanted to be there and we were playing so well and we was, the goals at home we were scoring and we was losing 2-0 and come back, do you know what I mean? It was just like everything was just, everyone just wanted to be there and then, um, yeah, and then you was, obviously everyone wants to be a part of something that's quite successful yeah. or, or going well, that's, that's facts, do you know what I mean? You want to come and you want to see us play and so, uh, James Corden is a good friend of mine, Russell Brand as well. They, they'd come in to the change room and say hello to the boys. And I think it was just a fantastic year all round for the club. Um, and to be honest, we, we give it the send-off that it, it probably deserved. With three little sections to close. First, um, we're all really impressed, but also fascinated by the Legacy Foundation. Yeah. I mean, it's a fabulous idea. Um, certainly for our sort of social beliefs, mm. it's pretty rare for footballers to bond together with that aim. How, how would you explain what the objectives of it and, and where did it come from? Um, well, I think Rio and Bobby Zamora used to travel to QPR together in, in a car. And um, Rio had met this guy who's our partner now and he, he said, uh, uh, Rio was explaining something to him and he said, right, let's, let's, let's build a team as in of Bobby wants to be involved and then Bobby rang me, said, look, Mark, me and Rue are doing this. Um, let's meet up and talk about it. This was eight, This was two years ago. Um, so I said, yeah, fine. Bobby's obviously a good friend of mine. I, didn't yeah. re I knew Rio, but I didn't know him so well. And um, we sat down. Um, and to be honest, it, it started, how can we, how can we help social housing because in Newham well I say Newham but in many many well nearly all of London boroughs there's a waiting list of 10 years to get a house a social house so um, social housing might apply to those who deserve to have a safe um, well preserved family environment but maybe don't have the means the financial exactly. means to get it yes so um so, for instance, I moved, I moved six or seven times uh, in East London when I was a kid. Bobby lived in East London. Rio was South London, as you know. Um, so we all we all got brought up in sort of social housing, council estates, and we knew what it was like. So our first, the main thing we had was we couldn't we couldn't not sell it, but we couldn't push this forward and and have someone say, well, what do you know? Never, you never got brought up in it. You don't know what it's like. Yeah, we do. We, we all went through it. You know what I mean? Um, so we had that all in common. We get on great together. Mm. And we all had a really, really... You turn up to an AstroTurf in Beckton like I'll do every now and then and you spend an hour with the kids. It not really make a lot of difference. They love it while you're there. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking not on the legacy thing, but... No. So we, we come up with... Every one of our schemes that we do, we want a whether it's a primary school, um, a foundation as in 
all sports, not just football, uh, a chance where kids can go and learn and play sport and, and become part of sort of a community. You know where you have community leaders and someone that, if you're not, if you're not getting on with people in school or something's happening in school, you can go to your commu community leader or social worker and say, exactly listen, right. I don't, I don't, I'm not comfortable telling my parents this, but for some reason, when you've got a community and a social worker and someone who understands what, what you're going through, it's easier to talk to them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot easier. So we want to we wanna get uh, jobs for them, help local people, train local people to fit in that mould and uh, be on site full time, which we will, we will um, through the, the building of the uh, accommodation, we will subsidise the... the a legacy foundation, a crash, so single parents can go to work, um, and uh, and yeah, that's our idea. I, we, uh, without sounding sycophantic, because this is that isn't what I mean. Are you aware? If you listen to yourself, you sound better than any politician in business today. <laughs> well, we to be honest, isn't that what? The yeah, we've we we've, for we've us? do you know what, Graham? In in two years, we have come a, a long, long way, and we've. We've uh, sat down with probably the top politicians uh, in this game in, in the country. Um, we've, we under, I, I understand every single part of it now. It's took me two years, but I've sat in meetings with local authorities and um, council members and politicians and... Um, on average now, you probably ain't gonna like this, but from from an idea to getting a spade in the ground, I'm not even talking getting it built. No. In 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 London or England is seven years on average. What? And yeah, it's true. Because uh, of stupidity or because of red tape or because of laws? Um, or? A lot a lot of a lot of red tape, a lot of laws, a lot of people making decisions. Um, don't wanna put uh, a, a comfortable job they've got on the line and make a decision um, mm. uh, there's a lot of that but there is some really really people, good people that want to help there is some really good people and um, it's just a case of us pushing them we are in on the we're sort of in the, in talks with probably six seven local authorities and uh, on the verge of trying to build probably Eight thousand houses for um, for people to live in, and I think in thirty years of football journalism, I think that's the single most impressive ten minutes I've ever heard anybody speaking to me about in, on any subject. Um, there's probably no chance that we can help at the big interview, but you should take it that if we can, yeah, we will. And I'm glad that we were able to talk about it. I also want to let people know that you 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 give time and support to Haven House. Uh, uh, Richard House Hospice. Yeah, which yeah. I just wanted to name it, let it know, and, and given that you've got hoovering to do at home, which <laughs> um, the, the, probably the most popular question was about England, which I'm not going to ask you, but people have always asked, was there a chance of you playing for Ireland? Yeah. What, what, what was the situation? <laughs> um, my And was there a temptation? My mum, my mum, my nan and granddad are full Irish. So my mum, she wasn't born in Ireland, but she's bloodline, she's full Irish. Yeah. You listen to a speech, you don't sound Irish one bit. It's just <laughs> as cockney as they come. But um, 
But Graham, to be honest, and you might think I'm totally off my head here, others might not, but it's totally what I think, so I don't really care. Um, that when I, I played, as you say, under 15, 16, 17s, 18s, 19s, 21s and all that, so I and I, I knew how much it meant to me to play for England, do you know mm. what I mean? The 21s, I always turned up, always loved playing and all that stuff. So obviously I never... Got a, uh, I've never got a senior cap, but <laughs> it's just a way I'm thinking. Please tell me if you disagree that there is young Irish kids playing well, mm. Irish kids playing well um, that deserve and would appreciate an Irish cap more than I would. Hmm. And that's just as simple as that. Guy, that was the. Biggest guiding factor in you mm. making a decision. Yeah, because maybe if I got into an Irish islands, uh, an island squad, and if I've got, I, I love Irish people. My, half my family of Irish. They come over and take mm. over us and whatever. <laughs> um, but for me personally, I always dreamed of playing for England mm -hmm. from a kid because I played all the age groups and went to tournaments and. Sang the national anthem mm. every time I played, so for me to turn up to play for Ireland and not it it wasn't a dream of mine, but there's an Irish kid out there that might miss a place because I go, and it's their dream to play for Ireland. That that that's my reason. Cool, you've got some sense of values. It's the values that you know. I live abroad. I'm happy to live in Spain. Born in Scotland. Something makes me f I feel quite British in the way that I understand it. Uh, not the way that, see, Nigel Farage understands it. But it's people like you or attitudes like that that make me feel there are things I miss about Britain and that kind of attitude and, you know, the Legacy Foundation, they, they would qualify as things that make me like Britain. Mm. Like, you know, the attitude that I thought we all shared on this island mm. or that the sensible people shared them. Yeah, but there's a... Uh, Graham, like, listen, uh, yeah, I know that, but there's there's a lot... There's so much... As I said to you before, there's so much things that... I'm, I'm not talking about myself now, but that players do, you know, that other players do for people, but they're never going to get heard of. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Unless they come out of a nightclub at four in the morning and they're pissed. Hmm. That's what gets heard of. Not the other stuff, they, the money they give to charity or the work they do for charity or um, that sort of stuff. That, that just... That, it, it, it's, it's, no one wants to really read that. Well, we, we started, I don't know how many years ago we started the big interview. We've done maybe 34-ish kind of interviews with people ranging from Luca Viali to, you listen to Harry Redknapp, Eddie Howe, I don't know, Gary Neville, Carriker. Um, we've, we've met nothing but articulacy, intelligence, humour, um, values, people that you're proud to know. Mm. And... It bears almost no relationship to the way that football is portrayed on a daily or weekly basis in the media. Now, if football was a marriage, both sides would be sent to marriage counselling mm. because there's always fault on both sides. But it, it's 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 not a lost cause, and this is helping um, prove it. Lay off the hook with. I hope I'm picking on a good character here, but a player who's always fascinated me. You played with who I think was helpful to you, Teddy Sheringham. Mm. Um, one of the footballers whose intelligent and movement and achievements I admire most. Am I right in thinking that um, 
as you were developing or learning, you watched and learned from him. Was he helpful to you? Um, incredibly. He, he, uh, he come to my wedding and I went to his in the summer in Portugal. And uh, I'll never forget, he said to me once, we, I was young, I was really young, when he come to West Ham and I sort of, I was brought over to train with him and uh, we were doing some drill. The first time I'd met him, we were doing some drill. Um, and it, and it, as I was walking off, I was really good in the training session. I was walking off and he said, oh. he said, what's your name? I said, I'm oh, Mark. He said, I've oh, got a chance, you keep working. Do you know what I mean? You've got a chance to play. I've seen you, watch you, or whatever. Um, Funny enough, later on in that season, we were playing a team together in the, uh, under parts uh, for West Ham. And we come become really good friends and um, used to laugh and joke a lot. And I, I was a youngster, I was cheeky and they found it quite funny. I wasn't disrespectful or rude, but we had a good laugh. And we uh, that season where we stayed up under Kirbishly, mm-hmm. when we went on that great escape and there was... You, we, I couldn't do anything wrong. Every time I played, I was I played out of my skin, and um, and you know when you're buzzing. And he said, "Mark," he said, and so one thing I told the young lads here, I said, or even the boys, he said, and Chris always reminds me that I told him before. I said, he said, "Mark, when you're enjoying it, really enjoy it, because, or when or when it's going well, enjoy it because it's not often it goes well." Hmm. And that was someone that's played in the Champions League yeah. someone that played for United um, and scored many goals in his career that probably feels the same way that a lot of players do that you can't really enjoy it until Saturday afternoon's over and you've won until you've won on a Saturday afternoon the week leading up to the game you always think about we have to win and it becomes a bit obs- for me anyway it becomes a bit obsessive that I'll be out on a Wednesday night with Carly and we'll be sitting over dinner and we'll be playing whatever it was, Crystal Palace this week where it was a massive game and if we win, we're 10 points ahead of them and that, or if they win, we're only four or whatever. And all you can think about is, fucking hell, we've got to win Saturday. Do you know what I mean? So until you get that, that win on a Saturday and you've got Sunday off but then it starts again Monday... He said, when it's going well like that and you're in that, he said, really enjoy it because it's not many times that it does and it's been one of the truest things that someone's ever said to me because I love football and I love watching football and I love uh, what football's give me but it's very, very hard to enjoy it if you're not winning football games. Um, you talk like you play, Mark. It's, it's, um, it's a pleasure. There are very few people who dominate their subject and uh, like you do with the football um i hope that if west ham ever um let you go it's to la liga <laughs> um having turned down ireland um i can tell you form is scotland won't you <laughs> anytime you're free yeah. just the odd game here or there if you want <laughs> um but an absolute fantastic pleasure west ham are a very lucky club uh you've joined the big interview and we've loved it thank you pleasure magic You can probably tell from my excitement that you hear every time you listen to this podcast that the big interview has been a voyage of discovery for everybody involved in it. 
One of the voices that you've never heard on these interviews is that of Max Fitzgerald. But Max has been a tremendous boon to us, a great discovery. Aside from being um, a good guy, funny, and sporting a marvellous, world-class, in fact, beard, Max, as a communications manager, first for Bournemouth and then for West Ham, practices things that many clubs around Europe could learn from. Just first rate. West Ham, well done for employing him. The big interviews are produced by Backpage and me, Graham Hunter. The music you always hear, the sweet music you always hear, is by Beer Jacket. You can keep up with everything that we do, enter exclusive competitions, and put your questions to our future guests by joining the mailing list at grahamhunter.tv. That's the place where you can also buy the new, updated version of my book, Barca, The Making of the Greatest Team in the World. It's my account of the Pep Guardiola era at the Camp Now from 2008 until 2012, why it happened and how. It is in all good bookshops at the moment, but it does make a huge difference to all of us who worked on the project if you buy direct at grahamhunter.tv forward slash books. You'll then be sure to get the new edition and you'll be helping us to continue producing independent content, free in the instance of the big interview. Thanks to all of you for listening. We need you, we love you, we do this for you. Hope it's fun. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.